You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series, called Under Construction, takes a look at how the Holy Spirit wants to rebuild lives. Stop the bus! Are you crazy? Mike, I don't know a single scarer who can do what you do. I know everyone sees us together, they think I'm the one running the show, but the truth is... I've been riding your coattails since day one. You made the deal with Hard Scrabble. You took a hopeless team and made them champions. All I did was catch a pig. Technically, I caught the pig. Exactly. And you think you're just okay? You pulled off the biggest scare this school has ever seen. That wasn't me. That was you. You think I could have done that without you? I didn't even bring a pencil on the first day of school. Mike, you're not scary. Not even a little. But you are fearless. And if Hard Scrabble can't see that, then she can just... I can just... what? Alright, I love that clip. I love the conversation of strengths and people's gifts. And, 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 and you know, Soli was, was real with, with Mike. You're not, you're not scary. Not in the least bit. But you are fearless. And God has given everybody gifts. And uh, I'm someone that that looks and reads a lot of business material and and leadership material, but we can start seeing the gifts that God has given people from the very beginning. When they're they're young, like in in my own students, my own kids, in my own kids' lives, like my oldest, Elijah, he's a little more artistic. And he drew this this morning, not because I asked him to, because I wanted to use you as an illustration, but he drew, drew this this morning because he wakes up and he's bored. He draws stuff. And when I came out from preparing for the message this morning, he's like, I made this for Crosspoint Fellowship. And I'm like, that's awesome, but I don't know what to do with it. Like, like how do you, in, those of you with kids, you, you know, you, you, you've experienced this. Like, they've drawn you something or did something for you, and, and they're like, here, Daddy, here, Mommy. And you're like, Thanks. I don't know what to do with this. And then Josiah, Josiah, like he will draw and stuff, but he's the more athletic type. Like last week when we were gone, we were in Illinois and hanging out at, at uh, some of her, uh, Nicole's family. And we, Josiah and I were throwing a Frisbee back and forth and, and uh, he was getting and he was, he was figuring out he could throw a Frisbee pretty good. And especially for a five-year-old, six-year-old, six-year-old, right? Is he six? He's six. A six-year-old and, and, uh, and, and Elijah kind of joined us and he couldn't do it as well. And quite as a matter of Factly, Josiah just said, I can do this better than him. You know, like, yeah, yeah, you can. He, he has more of the athletic gene. Noah, <clears throat> Noah has more of the comedic gene in him and everything that goes along with having the comedic gene in him. So if we can keep him from saying butthole and keep his pee-pee in his pants all day long, it's a good day. Ugh. <sighs> The things that we have to deal with, right? We never dealt with that with Eliza or Josiah. We never did. But he's gifted in that way. Hallelujah. And then Isaiah, you know, the, obviously the jury's still out on Isaiah. He's only 17 months old, but he seems to have a gift of being able to honk people's noses right now. So uh, I don't know what that has anything to do with anything. But we can see this from, a, from an early age. And, and, and this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. As I read business and I read leadership, that's where I spend most of my time reading. I'm reading about uh, a lot about Starbucks right now and the leadership culture inside Starbucks and, and stuff. It doesn't matter if you worship God or if you don't worship God. I mean, just look at professional 
professional athletes, right? Most of those don't worship God, but that doesn't mean God revokes their gifts, right? In fact, when I was growing up playing soccer and playing soccer for Christian schools and being a Christian and, and trying to follow God and stuff, we're just like, it seems like the more you smoke and the more you, you drink, the better you are at soccer. I don't get this. Like, you know, just completely, you know, not following God. He doesn't revoke gifts just because you don't follow him. In fact, the Spirit gives everybody gifts from birth. In fact, uh, I read a few years back a Gallup poll that said where Gallup was doing a, a poll, you know, company uh, was doing a, 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 a research on this subject of gifts and strengths inside the workplace. Workers are more happy, more engaged, and more productive if they are working in their strengths. I mean, those of you that lead companies or leadership positions in companies, don't you want happier workers and more productive workers and, and more engaged workers? If we put them in their strengths, no matter you know, what context we're talking about, they're going to be better off. And this has everything to do with the number one desire that God has put in us. No, it's not sex. Come on, get your minds out of the gutter. What are you thinking? That's number two. Number one is purposeful work. Purposeful work. He created purposeful work before he created sex. That's why it's number one and number two. He created purposeful work before he created sex. And, and, and the number one desire that we all have is to work with purpose. And this occurred before the fall. Work is not a bad four-letter word that occurred when Adam and Eve sinned. We were called to be dominative over the earth before we all jacked this thing up. So how are we gifted and how do we have this desire and how do we use our gifts and, and how, do we, how do we come in and align with all of this? Paul wrote about this. What's awesome about all these, all these research, all this research and all these, all these things that secular companies are doing regarding strengths and gifts, the church can just go, hey, we knew about this like 2,000 years ago, actually 4,000 years ago, as we're going to see in one story. This isn't anything new. In fact, God gives us strengths so that we can recognize that there is a God. But we're going to use our strength. Every one of us will use our strengths to worship something. Every one of us. Every one of us. And Paul writes to, to a church uh, 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 at Corinth. At Corinth. It was a Grecian church. The church that he planted, he spent 18 months planting this church, and then he went on to plant other churches. And, 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 and the churches he planted, he would always go back and visit, and he would also write to them. And, and usually he wrote while he was in prison because it, Paul was just too much of a busybody to write until he got chained to something. And then he was like, I can't do anything else, so I guess I'll write. And so he wrote back to the church in Corinth to address some issues, but also to, to address some questions this church had. So in 1 Corinthians 12, he addresses this issue of spiritual gifts. And so we're going to throw the verses up on the screen. You can use the smartphone or, or tablet with the Bible app and the verses. I've put all the verses in there. And Phil, I'm sorry, this has been reworked. So you're just going to have to figure it out, all right? So, um, so uh, pray for Phil as he figures out where I'm going which isn't an easy task, right, Shelley? And so, 
he wrote to this church about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the spiritual abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. No one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I would read that first sentence where he introduces the topic of spiritual gift. And then the next couple of sentences, I would kind of throw her away and go, I... It seems like he, he, he starts this talking about spiritual gifts, and then, and then he starts talking about something else, about, you know, pagan and being an, uh, worshiping idols and, and Jesus is Lord and cursing Jesus and all this, and then, and then he comes back to, to, to talking about strength. But when I was, sitting, when I was reading and, and studying this and thinking through this and reading through these verses, it dawned on me, wait a minute. This has everything to do with spiritual gifts. What Paul is telling these people is, hey, look, you use these gifts, you use these gifts to worship idols. What you used to do when you were a pagan, when you didn't know Jesus, you used these gifts to worship idols. Guess what? We may not worship physical wood or stone idols, but we still use our gifts to worship idols. Worship the idol of money, finances. Worship the idol of prestige and power and position. I mean... Hmm. None of us has known a high school quarterback to not use his skills to get sacks, have we? We use our strengths to worship at the feet of idols. So what does it look like to have a rebuilt strength? We're concluding this series called Under Construction where we've taken a look at who the Spirit is and what role does He play in our life? Is He just this force that's out there that kind of does this mysterious thing in our life? No, He's not. He's a part of the Trinity, part of the three persons of who God is, how He manifests Himself in, in this world. And He's sent to rebuild a great army for God's glory. That's where we started the first week, six weeks ago. And then after that, we took a look at Rebuilt Mind, how the Spirit comes to rebuild the seat of our decision-making and wisdom and to transform our decision-making and wisdom. And, and Phil preached, preached about our, our transformed heart, how he transforms the seed of our passions and our desires to, 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 to make those passions and desires to be like his. And then from our decision-making and from our passions and desires, the Spirit rebuilds our feet. Remember the, the knife? How can you forget, right? Now we're supposed to put to death, put to death the sin so that the Spirit can rebuild our feet so it looks like we're following Jesus, following the Spirit. And then from there, we talked about rebuilt weakness of how the Spirit, God doesn't get rid of our weakness. He rebuilds it for good and for glory. For his good, for his glory, for our good, for our glory, that he rebuilds our strength. He doesn't dismiss it. He doesn't get rid of it. He rebuilds it. And this morning, we're talking to look at rebuild strength. How does the Spirit want to rebuild my strength? And, and he takes our strengths from where we used to worship idols, and he rebuilds it so that we can say Jesus is Lord with our strengths. 
and tell people. Maybe not necessarily, yes, we want to get to where we're telling people Jesus is Lord, but where we tell with our lives that Jesus is Lord by the way we use our strengths and by the way that we use what God has gifted us with. And this is what Paul wants his church to understand, that they used to worship idols, but now they, the God has sent his spirit to transform their strength into building God's kingdom. Because when we are proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, that's really what we're doing, right? We are building God's kingdom. So what does it look like to use our strengths to build God's kingdom? 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, or God gives us different activities, as, as, as other translations say, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I talk about how everybody, everybody, everybody has a unique role in Crosspoint. Like, what's a role? What, what goes into a role? I believe these three things go into our role here in Crosspoint, and actually our role here on earth. Gifts. This is the unique DNA that God has branded in us. That we all have different DNA, that we all have different gifts, and some of us are, are teachers, and, and, and some of us are administrators, and some of us are leaders, and some of us have a gift of faith, and a gift of wisdom, and, and, and different gifts. And he goes into a list of, a list of all of these uh, next, in the next section of Scripture. But the list that he gives isn't complete, and any, give, any li- gift inventory that Paul gives isn't complete. And the more we study people, the more we recognize all these different shades of gifts. I think shades of gray, right? Shades of gifts. More than 50. Right now, there's about 7.5 million. Billion, I'm sorry, billion shades of gifts in this world. A different shade for every person. He's gifted us all uniquely. Now, some of us may have the same gift as in both of us can teach. So, how is that shaded? There are different kinds of service. Service is the context by which you do your service. You use your gift. So, three people may have the gift of teaching, but those three different people do it in the context of children, do it in the context of students, do it in the context of adults. You don't want me to put, put me in front of teaching kids. That would be a disaster. In fact, I spent the summer working with the Grand Oaks Mission uh, here in Springfield um, doing backyard Bible clubs for kids. And that was God, God's way of confirming for me I wasn't supposed to be a children's minister. And I came out of that summer going, and I don't want to work with kids. I, you can couldn't pay me enough. And, and so he started forming that in the students. And, and, and then now, you know, he shifted that to adults. But I, I really feel in, in a lot of ways that he still allows me to connect well and even maybe even better with students than, than, than adults. But he's put me in this, in this role. So he takes our gift and he shades it with context. 
Some of you are administrators and you want to do that for the entire church. And some of you are administrators but want to do that for like the kids or the students. And all you want to do is the background stuff. See, our context, the context that he puts in our hearts, is where we need to use our gifts. How do I find the context? What excites you? What gets you pumped up? Do kids get you pumped up? Or do you want to just pump up kids? Because if you want to pump up kids, I wouldn't advise the children's ministry. What gets you excited? What do you like to do? And then there's different activity. Activity, activity is, is God stirring in our hearts to actually work. A good work ethic is actually a grace of God that, that Paul said in another letter, that, that a good work ethic is the grace of God. And unfortunately, ministers and churches have, have, have gotten a well-deserved and earned bad rap of having a bad, bad work ethic, and we call it faith. We just have faith and we wait on God. Yes, yes, God tells us to wait upon Him, but we wait upon when He starts activating our hearts, and then when He starts activating our hearts, we work hard in that direction. In fact, a good work ethic shows that we have faith. That God has gifted us a certain way. God has gifted us a certain way, so therefore, I'm going to work in this direction. And I'm going to use my gifts. And I'm going to train in my gifts. And I'm going to do everything I can to multiply my gifts like Jesus told us a parable about. Parable of the talents. Yes, talents are monetary gifts. And I believe that it applies to monetary as well. But I believe those talents that Jesus was talking about applies to everything that God has given us, including gifts. He gave one five, one two, and one one. And the five went out, worked hard, and doubled his five and made ten. And had ten. The two went out, worked hard, doubled his two, and made four. The one was lazy, the lazy bum, dug it in the ground. And when the master came back, he's like, here's your one talent. And the master was like, what's wrong with you? See, if we feel like we've gotten the short end of the stick on talents, it's not about how much God has given us. It's about do we have faith that he's given us something and that we go out and we utilize that and we train in that and we work hard in that so that we can see that multiply. See, you looked at the one that got two and the one that, looked at, uh, that, that got five and bo- both told both of them, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done well. It didn't matter how much they had at the end of the day. It mattered what they did with what was given to us. So as God stirs our heart for the activity, do we respond? I want to take a look at a story in the Old Testament that actually talks about this in just a, just a moment. See, at the end of the day, the Spirit gives us all gifts. You notice that, that Paul works through every one of the Trinity, Spirit, Lord, which is Christ, and, and God. See, we all have different gifts, different contexts, different activities that God, that God stirs in our hearts, but it's the same God that does this. 
It's the same God that, 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 that brings this body together. As, as, as Paul starts to use this metaphor of body, that we are all members of the body, this is kind of where we get the concept of church membership, local church membership. It's not that we fill out some card and say that we're, we are now a church member, and now I have rights and privileges. It's that I become a member of a local body to say, I am a vital part of this body, and I will use my gifts to build the kingdom. But how do I build the kingdom? God, uh, he tells, tells us so we can help each other. We build the kingdom by serving people, using our gifts to serve people. And all a local church is, is a local expression of, 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 of the citizens of God's kingdom saying we are in this together to build God's kingdom by serving others. But some of you may be like, okay, all right, all right, I, I get where this is going. You want me to serve more in church. We'll get to that. Hold on. Let's talk about your work. God's kingdom, and I'm excited for this fall because we're going to take it, start taking a look, a year-long look at what God's kingdom is and what this means. And we're going to start off with the question, what is God's kingdom in uh, the Sunday after Labor Day, September 7th? But God's kingdom is God's rule and reign. Some people, many of you here, sitting here, have said, I have allowed God's rule and reign over my life. I've chosen to do that. I've committed to do that. And now we are kingdom agents. Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That, that we are now God's kingdom agents, bringing his kingdom down here to earth and making it real and visible. But there's a real part that God is sovereign over the entire earth. There is nothing that is outside of his sovereignty. So where he has put you in a job, and he, where he has gifted you to work in that job, he wants you to bring kingdom restoration to that company and to those people. He wants you to bring kingdom restoration in culture, as one uh, author has put it, be, it's a subversive kingdom. We serve the kingdom into existence in our cultures to where we begin to weave into our cultures, no matter if it's a Christian culture or a secular culture. Weave into our culture principles of the kingdom. And we're going to spend a series on this starting in October completely on this topic. But also to to engage individuals and to serve individuals to bring kingdom restoration to them as we see in their lives sin destroying them and giving them helplessness and hopelessness and broken lives we come to alongside of them to serve them so that we can tell them about the Jesus who died to restore them to God's kingdom and give them hope and give them healing that's why God gave us jobs that's why God gave you the job that, that he's given you. And that's why God maybe has given you ideas of a company or an organization or a nonprofit or whatever. And one key area of spiritual growth that I listen for in people is when they start, tra start transforming how they talk about their jobs into talking about how... He's given me this to restore the kingdom through culture and through people. 
But also a key area of spiritual growth is, 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 is when we sit here with each other and in our small groups and look around and say, hey, look, he's given me a gift for a reason. And man, I can only spend an hour using this for the sake of Crosspoint, our local kingdom outpost. But by golly, I'm going to use that hour the best that I can. Whatever. Whatever, that we look together, look around and say, we are in this together and God has brought me here for a specific purpose, to use me to help us build the kingdom and restore republic and communities all around the world because we are serving them. That's why he gives us gifts. But see, the kingdom doesn't equal church. The church is part of the kingdom. The kingdom is much bigger than the church. And so when we have a kingdom mindset, all we're doing is everything we do, we do to build and restore the kingdom and people. There are two dangers. I'm not going to read these lists. It, it, it's, it, Paul actually talks about these dangers. In fact, this is where he gets talking about the body. And he actually wants people to use their imaginations because he's like, hey, you know what? You know what would happen? If your foot just decided, I'm not a hand, so I'm going to stop working. He throws a little, your foot, whether you know, your foot is a he or she, you know, whatever name you got for your foot, decides to stop working because I'm not a hand. You're like, what's going on here? You know, and, and Paul wants people to go, that's ludicrous to even think that your foot would just stop working because it just decides I'm not a hand. Or your ear stops hearing because I'm not an eye, so I'm going to throw in a little temper tantrum and just stop hearing. Like Paul wants us to go, it's just ludicrous to think about. See, gift envy is a real danger. That we will look at other people's gifts and because theirs is up front or theirs is, is, is bigger or they got five and I only got one or whatever that we go, I'm not going to, uh. no. Gift envy is a real danger. But what Paul wants people to know in Corinth and whoever reads this is that your role is vital. Your role is vital. No matter what it is. But there's an equal danger, and it's really opposite. And it's called role bullying. That because I'm up front or somebody else has a gift, that, 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 that nobody else's gift counts. A lot of times, maybe people with the gift of evangelism kind of feels this way. You've, you've probably been guilted sometime during a revival service or something where, you know, it seems like the evangelist, every plane that he's on, revival breaks out on. <laughs> You're like, why doesn't that happen with me? Because you're not gifted the same way he is. But the, that, the evangelist is like, what's wrong with you that you can't do that? I'm like, if I stood up and did the same thing you did, people would just be like, oh, you're doofus. See, two people can do the same exact thing, but because one's gifted in, in that area and the other isn't, completely different results. Some people can go door to door and sell. My poor family would starve if that was how I had to make money. But also, 
Paul goes into like this whole thing of, you know, the less honorable parts of the body we cover up. And if you read some other translations besides the New Living, you're kind of like, is he talking about private parts there? And like, are you saying I'm a private part? Like, what's going on? Like, no, we're not going to stand people up in the corner, put a blanket over their head because we don't want them to be seen. That's not what he's talking about. He, what he's talking about is some people, some people are new to this. And that doesn't mean we're just going to, as soon as they want to use their gift, that doesn't mean we're going to run them out in front of everybody and start, use, start just like, have fun, buddy. What's going to happen? You're going to be like, see ya. You set me up for failure, right? We need people to come alongside and say, hey, you might only have one, one talent right now. That's all right. Guess what? I'm going to help you double your talent. Students, you might be young. You might feel like you've only got one talent or half a talent or point, point zero 0.01 of a talent or whatever. These adults are here to come alongside of you to multiply that talent to two talents, multiply that talent to four talents, to eight talents, so that someday, and someday very soon, we look at you and go, you've got way more talents than I've got. Adults, this is the future of the church right here. You want the church to, to continue in the next generation and be stronger than the church now? Invest in their talents. Invest in their talents. That's why we brought Paul on, to lead us in investing in their talents. You want tomorrow's church to be better than today's? Invest in their talents and help them multiply their talents. But if you're new to this, we need to have a, a spirit, a mindset of multiplication where we, where we are constantly multiplying in people that's just saying, I don't know what I've got, but maybe I'll try it out here. And we have somebody else say, I'll show you everything that I know. I've filled my cup. I'm going to empty my cup into you with everything that I know. So practically, what does this look like? Story from the Old Testament. Exodus 36. And, 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 and God gave Moses the instructions of how to build the tabernacle. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Amazing. How, how, how I love this section of Scripture anyway, but how, how, how applicable this section of Scripture is to Crosspoint right now. Because God tells Moses, build a facility. I want you to build a facility. I want you to build a tabernacle. And the tabernacle was more than a facility. It was where the Spirit of God, it was where God himself was going to dwell among his people so that God's glory would go out and shine out among his people so that the nations all around Israel could see the glory of Israel and want a piece of that. The facility always was more than the, than the facility. And the Lord has gifted Beziel and Ohioleb. Those were the two leaders of this project. They were the foremen, if you will. And the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle, just as the Lord has commanded. So, so God tells Moses, here's the blueprints. He gave him specific blueprints. This is how it's supposed to look. And I have gifted two guys to be foremen, and I have gifted a bunch of other people to come and be, to, to, to work with metal and work with stone and work with wood and, and sew stuff and, 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 and uh, seamstress. I was trying to think this morning what is the name of that soul person seamstress seamstress so moses summoned beziel and ohioleb and all the others who were especially gifted by the lord catch this catch this catch this and eager to get to work other translations say whose heart was stirred to work when i use the word momentum 
This is all I'm talking about. Where I am seeing God stirring people's hearts to work. Illustration. Taylor and I and, 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 and a couple others, man, let's do a July 4th thing. But as soon as we started telling that to people, crickets. My crickets are horrible, but you know, crickets. You know what we said? There you go. Thank you, Billy. Multiple gifts. We haven't done a what can Billy do in a while. We need to get back to that. And you know what Taylor and I came back and said? No momentum. Why work? If there's no momentum, if God hasn't stirred our hearts, why work? Why put in the effort? But why have we gotten so far in the building? Because every step of the way, we feel like God has continued to stir hearts and stir hearts and stir hearts and stir hearts and stir hearts so that we can come to this, to this one climax today. We'll see if we get another one. All we want to do is follow the momentum, follow the, 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 the stirred hearts. And if God's not building momentum, we don't do it or we cut it. Because we're still Southern Baptist by, by nature and we, you know, just because we did something, we always will do it, right? Ah. There's no momentum, let's stop it. Definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Thank you, Albert Einstein. Exodus 36, 2,000 years before Christ. We see this concept of gifts and momentum and spirit working. Moses gave them the materials. Oh, this is such an awesome picture. This is how God has wanted the church to function, his people to function since the very beginning. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel, sacred, sacred offerings, sacred, <laughs> that was awesome, sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. So here, here, here's how this works. Here's how this works. God has gifted people. In a special project like a facility, God has gifted people in a certain way to complete that project. But in a church as a whole, God has gifted everybody a specific way. And God has given everybody resources in order to resource everybody that's gifted to go do their gifts effectively. So yes, I have gifts in leading and teaching. I have gifts in leading and teaching. But I bring my tithe and give my tithe and our tithe. We give our tithe so that we can resource Paul and Phil and Shelly and everybody else that has gifts to go do their thing. And from the very beginning, God set up tithes that helped run the people of God continuously and, and special offerings, special projects like this one in order to make that project happen and, and resource those who are gifted in that. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that awesome? That all we do is we bring it all together, all of our resources, all of our gifts, all of our time, all of our sacrifices so that we can resource everybody to do their gift. That's why we're big on teams. We want to resource teams to do their gifts. Will we ever have unlimited resources? Absolutely not. But the more resources we pull together, the more we can allow people to be released with their gifts. And people 
brought way more than enough. In fact, it says the workers came to Moses, stopped their work, and came to Moses and said, tell the people that's, that's quite enough. Thank you. We've got plenty. All right? Tell the workers stop, or tell the people stop. I want to point something out again. I, I, I read it, but I want to point something out again. So the people stopped breaking, bringing their sacred offerings. We're not talking about bulls and lambs that they're sacrificing for sin offerings. We're talking about gold and silver and, and cloth that they're bringing to build the temple with. And what does God call them? Sacred offerings. Anytime you bring something, any sort of gift, resource gift, your gift gift, anytime you lay that at the feet of Jesus and say, whatever you want to do, he calls that sacred, holy, special, set apart. Isn't that cool? It's not just the, let's slaughter a bull for my sins that's sacred. It's every gift that's sacred. If you will, imagine with me in the time that we have remaining. Try and imagine with me. Imagine this wall is gone. And hopefully, you know, September 7th and this wall is gone and, and we come all together. And You know, here's to 150 on September 7th and it gets close to 10 o'clock and we're seeing more and more people come and there's, 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 there's starting to be a, a crowd of people. We're like, maybe, maybe, maybe this is going to happen. Maybe this is going to happen. And 150 people, you know, that's about 100 cars or so in the parking lot. I mean, that's going to that's gonna add to like a logistical thing out there, right? We can handle it right now, but we don't want to be bad, bad uh, uh, servants to bears and bad servants to El Charles. So we're going to need parking lot people. And imagine, imagine that it's not just 150, any old 150 people. Sure, everyone has some well wishes and some people from other churches and stuff, but man, a lot of those are people who haven't been in church in months and years. And what if, what if, imagine with me, what if a, a single mom pulls in three kids? Single mom with three kids. And we got somebody out there that's smiling, waving, and, 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 and they recognize, oh, I don't think I know, know them. So they're like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Park up here, park up front. And it's raining that day. What questions are going to go through the mind of a mom, single mom with three kids? I don't think her question is, I hope they have an awesome children's ministry. I don't think their question is, I mean, I hope they have something every day of the week so I can spend all my time up here at church. I think her my, my major question is, will they judge me? Because I've, I've heard what, what churches do with divorced people. Will they judge me? Or, it's very evident that all my kids are from different guys. Do they judge me? The first thing they, she sees is, is, is somebody waving at her and smiling and telling her, come on, come right up here up front and park and helping her out and having an umbrella and helping her out with her kids. They go up and there's Clyde opening the door for him and, 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 and smiling and come on in. Hey, you know what? There's, there's donuts over there and cookies and 
chocolate milk and all that on us. Go. Enjoy that. It's on us. And there's people behind the counter, and it's like cheers, right? Everybody knows your name, and they get to know her name, and, and, and belly up, baby, belly up. And they get to know her name, and they start connecting with her story. Here, kids, and here's some cookies, and let's sugar you up nice and good. And, and, but all the while, there's somebody from the children's team that's, that's there and notices all this. And sh- they let her get settled in and goes over and says, hey, 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 I'm with the children's team. I, uh, you obviously have kids. Hey, wh- when you're done here, come see me, and I'll show you our children's environment. And so they walk through here and they open up those doors and it's bright and it's loud and and there's there's videos playing and stuff and and there's people greeting them there. And she has a nursery age, so she goes down and and, and all of them go down and the tour guide takes them down and and, and says, says, here's the nursery and there's somebody there ready to, to, to take her kid that's smiling. We're going to take good care of your kid. And then she's got two, age, two different age groups and they go to the next one and the teacher's there beforehand because she knows, they know how important it is to, to say, I'm going to take good care of your kid. And then the next room, the same thing happens and they're all smiling. Like, why are they on? They're all smiling and it's church. What's wrong? And then they come back in here because the older kids and, and, and are, are, are part of this environment to start with. And they connect with a couple more people and they sit down and the band starts playing that opening song. And, and she goes, wait a minute. I was listening to Alice or Wolf or whatever on the way in and that song was on there. They ain't that bad at it. And then the worship starts. And Paul or Jack gets up and does a welcome. And he's like, they're funny. I didn't know you could be funny in church. And then the worship starts. And she's like, I don't know if I get all these words and what's going on here, but I like the music. And she tries to follow along. And she's looking around like people are actually into this. And then we have a connection break. And she connects with a couple more people. And then she endures through the sermon. And, and, then, and then at the end... Say, we've got people back there ready to pray with you. She's like, I, there's something going on in my heart that I've, I've got to go back and pray. I don't know what to pray about, but I've got to pray with somebody. She goes back and she prays with somebody. And the service concludes and she connects with a couple more people. And, and, and we actually have tables out because we have room for it. Tables out about next step. And she goes up to a table and says, hey, I don't know what my next step is. I, I'm interested in this Jesus cat. I don't know who he is, but, 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 but I'm interested in him. She's like, we've, we've got somebody that wants to help you know what it means to follow Jesus. I'll have them call you this week. And then throughout the week, a children's team calls her and, and, and somebody saying, hey, look, we, we have this small group and all we talk about is what it means to hear and follow Jesus. You can come and if you can't come, we'll, we'll do something to help you. And over the course of time, she commits herself to Jesus. She gets baptized. She becomes a part of a disciple-making relationship. And you know what? She ends up serving other people, other single moms or whomever. Let me ask you this. Who was most vital in making her a disciple? 
Everybody and nobody all at the same time, right? Everybody was the most vital and nobody was the most vital. Where did it start? It might have even started at our website, right? You have a vital role in making disciples in, in, uh, of people here and follow disciples. No matter what it is. Of course, we'll see in just a moment whether we expand that wall, but no matter what setting we are in, God has redeemed and restored and is rebuilding our gifts to build his kingdom, to tell people Jesus is Lord by serving people. So as we reflect, the simple question is this. What unique role does God have for you? Of course, in work and in this body. Like I said earlier, hour a week, all we ask is that whatever you give, you give it. Because you want to make this environment as good as it can be for those people who are just seeking out who Jesus is. What is your vital role in the kingdom? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you give us all gifts and you do that before we ever acknowledge you as Lord. I pray, Lord, maybe for people that think, I don't... Do I even have a gift that, that your words put into their heart allows them to have faith that there's something? I pray, Lord, that for those that maybe are unsettled where they're serving or whatnot, that you will, you will help them uh, re-energize or refocus. I just pray, Lord, that you will do a work in people's hearts and in people's lives. That you use our work, you use our, our service out in the community where we're volunteering, your, the service here, simply to restore the kingdom back to the way it was supposed to be. People and culture, help us to understand that and see that. Stir people, stir people's hearts this morning. Motivate, give us momentum because you're doing it. It's your name we pray, amen. You have listened to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. Please find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash my crosspoint.